Well, you only live once, maybe not And this life right now might be all we've got So let's contemplate the hereafter While we speculate with some laughter About this grim thing that happens to us all After that final curtain call But before you take that final breath Let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and this is our first episode, Maiden Voyage episode. Thank you for joining me. Today, my guest is my best friend. And in the past, we've done some crazy things together, you know, videos, and we had a podcast, a comedy podcast, but oddly enough, that's not how I met him. I met him because I watched him die. That's right, in a zombie movie. So anyway, we uh, yeah, we did the zombie movie together that uh, I was working on, and uh, he came to auditions, and we hit it off amazingly at the auditions and after the auditions. Uh, in fact, he contacted me just a few days later and said, hey, I've got this band. You want to come check out my show? And he called me up, and we talked for like three hours, and it was crazy. It was like we'd known each other for years. And in fact, I was in the room with my wife on the call with Chris, and she kept like looking at me like, what is the deal? You hardly even know this guy, and you're talking to him like you've known him forever, And because that's how it felt. Uh, you get those people in your life that they walk into your life. Sometimes it's uh, you know, uh, 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 just a, a moment, and other times you connect, and it's a lifelong friendship, or at least a solid friendship. Other times you might just meet a stranger on the bus, and you talk, and it's like you've known him forever. And what's strange about life that way is that you have people in your life that you've known forever that you can't connect with. So there's maybe something on a cellular level or a metaphysical level. Who knows? Uh, but it's, it's one of those things that those people come in and out of your life. And it felt fitting to have Chris as my first guest, you know, because he has been my creative partner in crime for the last 15 years. And for as much as he's been a part of my life, he's probably going to be the death of me. But uh, no, on a serious note, though, we don't know what we've got when this is all gone. So it's important to have people in our lives because, you know, maybe it's someone to look for when you're gone. Maybe it's someone to look for on the other side. Maybe we can haunt someplace together. It's a matter of, again, that's what this whole thing is about, is what happens when we die. We don't know. So let's speculate. Let's contemplate. It's one of those things that it's a mystery. And the big irony of it is you don't get the answer until you're gone. And so if you can have people to sit there and throw those kinds of possibilities around and make the most of what you know that you have, which is your life, and you have people you can get confidence from and get you know emotional support from and just, if anything, just get some advice from, those people are important. You know, and it's unfortunate, not everybody has the ability to make friends very easily. And other people, they come natural. You know, maybe that's something that you learn from coming back several times. Is hey, you know what, I didn't quite have that the first time. I'm going to come back and, ah, now I'm, I'm better at making friends. Or, this time I'm a rock star. You know, whatever it happens to be. Or, you know, again, maybe you don't come back. Maybe you get stuck. Maybe you move on. It's a matter of just having people in your life, though, to make what you have known the most special thing it can be. So 
My guest, Chris Parker Howard, he's here with me, helping me make this something special, helping make my life more fulfilled, helping me help others, hopefully, with being able to cope with the mourning process, being able to cope with life, you know, just thinking about where are we going, what's the end journey, what's the end result. So join me now in listening to this, and uh, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. No, but, uh, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> that was weird. Um, what is death to you? Wow. Right out of the Right gate. out of the bask. Okay. Bask. Right basket. out of the bask. Right, right out of the bask. Right out of the, yeah. Basking, okay. basking in the, in the glow of the, whatever the, yeah. What is death to me? Yeah. Man. Um, you know, honestly, it's, it's kind of evolved over the years as far as what I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the main thing that I think it is is it's a completion of a cycle. And Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like whatever happens next, um, whether it be just the transfer of energy, the transfer of matter, mm-hmm. um, you know, or if there really is some other sort of sentience out there that's, okay. that's paying attention, it's the completion of this cycle, no matter what. Yeah. No. So, that that makes complete sense. Because I don't think that this version of yourself will exist anymore. Because if you go okay. to if you go to heaven, you know your anxiety is going to be gone. Oh, totally. All of the totally. things that make you the the person that you are, which is you know your anxiety and <laughs> your stress and your depression and and uh, your fears and the the things that really shaped your personality. If you take all of those things away, you're not you anymore. Yeah. And so, what are you at that point? You're something brand new. You know, you, you bring up you bring up an interesting concept of I mean, I know you were kinda joking when you said the anxiety, but let's be honest, it's part of your personality. It is. What if what if the you that is you is all of the things that would be deemed as a abnormality? You know, yeah. in other words, uh I am look at like a Dungeons and Dragons character. I am a seven on anxiety yeah. and I've got a five on fear. But I've got a 12 in narcissism or whatever. You yeah, know? yeah. And if that's kind of how everything is scaled, and maybe, yeah, maybe when you die, it just – everything gets reset to zero. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think it would have to. Yeah. No, you, I, that I makes mean, total you, sense. You know, your your intelligence might go, might go up. Yeah. Um, but everything else changes. Yeah. Absolutely everything else changes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. No, I uh, I, I hadn't really but thought that, of it in that But regard. that also assumes that you have some sort of sentience exactly. a- after you die. And who knows if maybe it's just, you know, the bits and pieces of you all get scattered to their own winds. They might. There was a um, uh, my wife, actually, who I'm going to get on this podcast eventually. Uh, she had a, an interesting concept that she had learned from somewhere else where a drop of rain is a drop of rain in by itself. Yeah. But when it goes to the ocean, it becomes part of the ocean. Yeah. And it could be something like that. It, it where absolutely we are, could be. You know, we're, we're our own atoms right now manifesting as this entity that is me, that is you. But yeah. then when it's all said and done, we go back to, they call it source in the whole woo-woo, woo-woo world, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, source energy, you know, and that's kind of broken down in the, 
the the you know the thirty second explanation of what that is to some people. You know, and of course that's one reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because death is so different to everybody. Yeah. The concept is different. What happens is different. Nobody has this 100% exact same concept. I mean, you could argue and say, well, religions do. Do they? You know, I got a friend who wanted to become a priest, and he wasn't even 100% certain there was a God. Yeah. You know? So it's like, right. what What exactly is is death to everybody? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a, such a fascinating subject, and it happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. You know? And... Uh, you can't buy your way out. No, no. Unless, of course, you're Elon Musk. That's such a bad joke. I'm not. I'm going to just stop that. I was thinking about using it as a callback. Nah, it's dumb. So, but we're leaving it in here for this one. That's the last time I'm saying it because it's gotten worn out already. No offense, Elon, but yeah, we're just not going to run with that. You one. played. You played yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, you're right. You can't take it with you. Um, you can't. Uh, you cannot do anything with it afterwards all the material yeah. possessions you have are just they're they're done when you're gone right you know? and that's why the whole money doesn't buy happiness it's like it, it buys comfort yes but um it buys distractions it buys distractions yes it, i think it depends on your personality it totally um, you totally. know money can money can do a lot of things it's mm, mm-hmm. it's it's a tool for a lot of purposes but if you're an unhappy asshole <laughs> buying toys is not going to make you happy it's not going to make you happy no but i know that because i got money and i was an unhappy asshole well <laughs> and it, it didn't make me any happier it, absolutely well i mean why would people who have fame and fortune and celebrity and all that kind of stuff kill themselves yeah you know um clearly they're not happy that didn't solve right. their problem yeah well it's because you've got this this hole in yourself that's that's searching for something. Yeah. And uh, you keep trying to fill it with things. Yeah. When the, when the problem is really not the, a matter of filling the hole or closing that, that void, mm-hmm. it, it's really a matter of discovering, uh, you know, what it is inside yourself that's missing because that hole is you. Yeah. It's, it's really coming to terms with all of the things about yourself that you're ignoring so it, it's not the hole that needs to be repaired. It's so many other things that need to be repaired in order to make the hole go away. That and that, yeah, that, and that therefore, and that same kind of thing can be filled with food, can be filled with drugs, can be filled Absolutely. with sex. Absolutely, yeah. And that's and let, let's and be all honest. of those things are great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I like better than taking a fun weekend. In a stolen car with a coked out whore. Well, because, you know. And, and to be honest, there's, I mean, something like that could probably be a lot of fun, but uh, it's not sustainable. And that's, uh, you know what? <laughs> Being on a serious level, though, that is exactly the problem, is it is right. not as sustainable. You buy, I remember when I was younger hearing a concept about materialism that really has stuck with me now. It's like, okay, you've got this car. You go out and you buy this badass car that you spend whatever is a, an exorbitant amount of money for you. You buy it, and the first day, and first week, it's incredible. You're driving your dream car. And after yeah. a couple months or so, it's like, this is still a pretty cool car. car. You know, and then after six months, it's a car. Yeah. You know, that whole endorphin, that's the problem with materialism is people want that shiny object, and then they go for it, and it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. Well, that's because your, your brain is only <clears throat> wired to do so much. True. And you will get the same dopamine response from uh uh you know buying a $100,000 car as you will uh 
folding your laundry. <laughs> you will get the same exact <laughs> that dopamine response. That is an interesting concept, but I think I have heard the same kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, because, because you're just crossing it off a list. Yeah. And your yeah. brain says, I'm going to reward you for completing the task you set out to complete. Totally. And That's... You, you tend to think of the tasks as being bigger. Uh, but it, it, in terms of how your body's going to react in a physiological sense, mm-hmm. they're not. They're just tasks. They're just tasks. That's a uh, uh, group of people that I, I talk to. They say the first thing they do in the morning is make their bed because it lets them feel like they accomplished something. It's absolutely true. Because, yeah, your brain, you're right. Your brain doesn't know if you, you know, solved cold fusion or folded some blankets. Right. And that's exactly it. Yeah. So, how silly is that? It's crazy. You it's, know, <laughs> that your brain is is the dumbest thing in so many regards <laughs> and yet it's the thing that you rely on for all of everything you know totally it's the most powerful supercomputer on the planet right but unfortunately it's also a wikipedia that you are editing <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and you don't know anything yeah and you're convincing yourself you're right yeah so yeah no that's a great analogy for that so um, so so it is it is truly it, it is truly better to uh uh, to to come to a place where you're not entirely sure, but you're going to look. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are plenty of people who are um, unsure, and they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they just leave it right there. And just leave it right there. And that is exactly it. And yeah. It's... I don't know. Moving on. Moving on, you know. Curiosity keeps your brain functioning. Totally. Yeah. And that, well, and that's one thing that I've, you know, watching, because I love to dig into the whole, you know, existentialism um different fields of what is after this, you know, yeah. and, 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 and there's one of the arguments of, well, there's no afterlife. And it's like, well, why would there not be any afterlife? It's like, well, yeah. we don't have proof of it. And then people will sit there and, and have a similar kind of argument with life, you know, with, with aliens. And it's like, okay, just because we haven't physically all seen aliens doesn't mean they don't exist. I mean, you're talking billions of galaxies and, yeah. you know, if 1% of 1% of those planets have, there's a point to this. If there's 1% of 1% of those, uh, uh, planets have life there's aliens out there and you could sit there and say okay well then why have we not been approached by them and it's like okay well think of it in this terms if we study chimpanzees we don't have to necessarily go live with them and the smartest chimpanzee or let's take coco the gorilla who could speak a hundred words and she was you know the freaking neil degrasse tyson of her species yeah we're not going to go and try and solve science with her you know we're not going to go and try and have inventions with her right yeah so for all we know, our Neil deGrasse Tyson is the equivalence of their cocoa, you know, yeah. a, a, of a humanity's cocoa towards a higher life uh, uh, existence. Sure. And so because of that, it's that same kind of thought process that makes me go, okay, just because we can't prove that there's something afterwards doesn't mean there's not. Yeah. You know, and it's the same kind of – because to me, aliens uh, – Proof of life after this, uh, uh, you know, uh, quantum level types of, of existence, multi-dimension, they're all kind of in the same spectrum yeah. because they're things we don't understand. See, I, and, and I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big proof guy. I, 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 like, I, I like saying, well, there's no proof of that. But, but the reason I like something like that is because I like the exhaustive research that went into getting there. Yeah. Because, because just saying there's no proof because I haven't heard it. Is not good enough. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta look into things, and and sometimes you can take some people's word for it. But I mean, there's it's you know like uh, when you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and the medical consensus is X. It's like you're deferring to an expert. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're like okay, so 
I can probably trust that you know what you're doing. Other medical people say the same thing. Um, if I were to study this, I would likely come to the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. Therefore, rather than spending my whole life trying to figure out whether or not, you know, my, I could fix my cholesterol this way, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, there, and honestly, there, that is a sound, logical approach. Yeah. But on the flip side, on the devil's advocate of that, yeah. there are times where I've watched in my own lifetime that eggs were good, eggs were bad. Eat yeah. just the yolks, eat just the whites, eat no eggs, eat one egg a week, you know, those kinds yeah. of things. So it's like, how does the, how does the facts change over time? Well, and that's, I, I find that endlessly fascinating. Uh, it is do, a fascinating they concept. They do change over time. Uh, and they change over time because look at it like this. Uh, let's, as a matter of fact, let's, let's just look at it from the case of the egg. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you take a look at an egg for what it is, um, you're looking at it, you go, it's got a hard protective shell. It's got, uh, it's got this, uh, you know, viscous fluid and there's a yolk in the center and it's food. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, science comes along and mm -hmm. learns a little more. It's like, oh, but if it's fertilized... This fluid and this thing turns into a sack, it gestates, and then a chicken comes out. And then we learn more. So it's not just, uh, you know, a pellet full of food that this animal makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also another animal It's another animal. Maybe. Exactly. But there are steps involved. And it doesn't involve the moon or magic or anything like yeah, that. It involves yeah. these things. And so you learn a little more, you learn a little more, you learn a little more. And so when they when they start saying... You know, we're going to we're going to run this test and say, yeah, people who eat eggs, eggs are bad for you. It's like, yeah, eggs are eggs are really bad for you. OK, but then it's like, oh, you know what? We decided to separate these eggs and to figure out, like, is it the whole egg or is it just part of the egg? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, actually, when we separate it, uh, this part of the egg is bad. This part of the egg is OK. And then they separate it even further mm -hmm. and they say. Well, this part of the egg isn't necessarily bad, but there are there are these uh, proteins and en enzymes that are in this part of the egg when taken to an excess that can cause a problem. So while this isn't necessarily the problem, this coupled with these other factors mm -hmm. is a problem. Yeah. And so then it's but then it's it's clickbait headline culture taken all the way back to the 1920s. 30s, 80s, before there was clickbait. Yeah. Before there was click. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. But you take it all the way back to the headline says, eggs are bad. But then yeah. you read it and you go, okay, well, it's that's not exactly what it's saying. Yeah. But but it's it's also like the uh you know the McDonald's coffee lady, you know, spilling the coffee. Oh yeah, you pull oh, that out of context. You pull it out of context and all you remember, I, I mean, these stories are apocryphal, but we're getting less and less. Or rather, I was going to say that we're getting less and less of those stories because we're in the age of enlightenment. But no, that's not true the at all. The earth is flat, didn't yes. you know? <laughs> yes. People are starting to believe. And, and, and that astounds me that people I, are finding each other across the internet to, to say that the earth is flat. Yeah. I and watched a documentary about it. And, and there's a large school of thought about this. Yeah. You know? But to come back to the whole egg yeah. thing, that right there in and of itself is an intrinsic concept of we don't really know what's going on right so that right there makes me say okay and it also comes down to the fact that you know like i said before you defer to the experts it's difficult to know who the experts are anymore. totally totally and that's you know that's i guess one of the things that i that i think about is it's like okay sure you know at one time 
cigarettes were used for clearing asthma. Yeah. You know, and those were experts. These yeah. were professionals in their field. Uh, my, my mom's doctor told told my mom, uh, don't quit smoking while you're pregnant <laughs> because the stress could hurt the baby. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so then I came out like a peanut and had to sit in an incubator <laughs> for six weeks. Were you an incubator baby? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That explains <clears throat> a lot. But yeah, yeah well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. No. Um, <laughs> there is no excuse for me. Sorry. Um, that You know, and, and that's one of the things I was going to touch upon on another episode, but I'll, I'll lightly touch on it here, is one thing that fascinates me about existence, yeah. our existence in general. And this is one of the things, again, that pro- prompted me to want to do this podcast is take your family tree, okay, and you've got two parents – whether you're adopted or not, you've got two biological parents, and they sure. have four, and yeah. then they have eight, and 16, 32, you know, 64, and so on down to... I was told there would be no math. Uh, so mommy and daddy love each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> then this stork came. No, but anyway, so take well, that Well, mommy down. and daddy love each other very much. Why did the stork come? <laughs> well, mommy was having an affair with a stork. So anyway... Um, <laughs> What I'm trying to tell you is you're part bird. Uh, yes, exactly. You're related to a T-Rex. That's why you wow. have such short this, arms. I really derailed this very quickly. Totally, and totally. I'm not sorry. <laughs> well, hey. I'm going to remember the stork thing. <laughs> so let's take that back down, you know, let's say 100 generations. Mm-hmm. If any one of those people were to die before that offspring was to be born, mm-hmm. you wouldn't exist. Yeah. You would not exist. And that's why I think there's such a finite calculation to all of us that there has to be some kind of greater concept of why we're here. You know? I mean, yeah, you could say it's 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 you know, mathematically yeah. just, you know, throwing to the wind and we're but all see, an accident. That, that that assumes that your outcome was important. Well, and you're right. You're That's, right. There is be, random. Because to me, all of that screams of random. It, it It is random. What I'm saying, though, is I'm not talking about the whole random that, you know, that, that great, 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 great Aunt Estes met, you know, Cletus at some, you know, family reunion or whatever, and they had a kid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, something like that, that in and of itself is random. Meaning, yeah. I'm not saying that this all happens for a reason kind of stuff. I mean, right, there are right. some belief to that and, sure. and et cetera. Um, I'm talking from the standpoint of if those particular things hadn't happened, you wouldn't exist. Now, are, does that make you random? Sure, it does. But in the same sense, does that make you special? Yes. Yes. But random is special. But random is special, exactly. And the fact that this whole thing is random and the fact that you've got billions of planets out there and this little planet is able to have you know, m- single-cell organisms grow up and, 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 and evolve into humanity, yeah. which has a consciousness and is sentient and has... You know, has good and bad, has, you know, right and wrong and all that. And, of course, again, everything is a, you know, uh, uh, I'll talk about this at some other point, but everything is a neutral event. There is yeah. no real right and wrong. It's right. how you react to it, you know? Totally. But the fact that we have the concept to be able to react to that. Yeah. That right there makes me say, okay, there's got to be some kind of programmer who's going, I want these things to act like this. Yeah, you know, and again, maybe we're you know I, I've mentioned this before. I we, keep saying we come again. from a generation of soup. Yes, that has evolved into 
monkeys with anxiety staring at a supercomputer that won't make them happy. Totally, <laughs> totally. But the fact of the matter is, is for something like that to have evolved into something that elevated, if you will, <laughs> um, I don't think that can happen by chance. Now, I'm not saying that there's sure. some old man in a throne doing it. No, of course it, not. And I'm not yeah. saying that it's aliens, and I'm yeah. not saying that we're in a simulation. You know, I'm saying yeah. there is something, though. You know? Yeah. When the whole universe, if you look at the Big Bang, the whole universe they but say again, started. But again, I think that assumes importance. Mm-mm. Uh, because, because that seems, you know, at, at least to me, when I hear that, it, it, it almost sounds like it's, you know, look at, look at how far we've come and, and, and how advanced we are. There's no way that could have happened by accident, but that assumes that we're advanced. Exactly. Coming back to the whole Coco thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but here's how I look at humanity. We are a big, giant Jackson Pollock painting. Yeah. The end result is still the end result. Sure. When he threw that stuff, did he know exactly where it was going to land? No. Right. But it's That's still... a good way to put it. I you like know, I, I, you can look at it and say, but it's still there. Yeah. It still is a finished product. You know? Is it random? Of course it's random. But it's still... The intention was, I'm going to use red. Where did the red go? Oh, wow. It went that way. Okay. Well, I didn't expect that. Okay. Here's the blue. Blah, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I look at it is it's random, but it's intentional random. Yes. You know? Which I think there is there is a concept there that people don't touch on. I like that. Cool. I just pulled that out of my ass. So. <laughs> well, isn't that ultimately what all of this is? It's entirely what this is. I, I, and, that's, and that's all the flip side of, well, I mean, this – so – this is what we know. Mm-hmm. This is what we think we know. Yeah. This is what we can go back and look at. I mean, when you're trying to predict what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense to look backward to how did we get to this point. Oh, yeah. You can you can analyze anything when you look through history. It's the unknown that we can't figure out. We can yeah. take a good guess. Yeah. You know, where are we going to be as a species in a thousand years? People are going to be like, oh, we're going to have computers in our brains and we're going to be in flying cars. Are we? Yeah. We could be dead. Well, that's the thing. You know? I mean, you know, when people when people were summarizing, you know, flying cars, they assumed that there would be a need for it. Mm-hmm. You know, where we actually got to a point where it was like, yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. it's And, and so it just kind of disappeared. I mean, right. people assumed that flying cars would make our lives easier. Right. Would they? You no. know? <laughs> no, of course not. Because now you're talking about, look at how stressed our air traffic controllers are. Yeah. For the 300 planes that are in the air. Oh, yeah. Now let's multiply that by 300,000. You know? <laughs> it would be a disaster. At least with traffic, you can control. It's a, it's a, it's a two-dimensional plane. You know? Left, yeah. right, north, south, east, west, east, west, et cetera, et cetera. You start throwing three-dimensional into there, and it's, it would be a cluster. Yeah. You know? Totally. I'm not going to say the other word because it's naughty. <laughs> so, I think I already said it earlier. Did is you say fuck? A, is this a clean show? Fuck? No, this isn't a clean show. What oh, okay. the fuck are you talking about? Okay, anyway, <laughs> no, but I mean, I was going to say clusterfuck, but I didn't want to say that. So, hmm. anyway, okay, now I've just thrown like four or five f bombs. Now it sounds like a freaking Joe Rogan show. Come on, man. So <laughs> no, because you haven't <laughs> talked about DMT or you oh, know. that's true. <laughs> so protein uh, powder, protein powder, <laughs> brain pills, you know. <laughs> Um, can you top me off a little bit there? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Chris has this, like, awesome coffee. I don't want to say a brand because, honestly, I don't know. So Yeah, I'll say a brand because I love to support them. They're out of, uh, they're out of here in Denver. Oh, nice. Uh, and they're called Daz Bog. Nice. Okay. D-A-Z-B-O-G. And it's, uh, you know, very Russian coffee, uh, and it's 
just the best. It's it, it is very good. Best. It's very good. And you can find it at most uh, most retailers now. So, nice, uh, nice. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is very good. This is the Svoboda blend. Nice. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. This program does not endorse the <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh Yeah, no, it is It is very good, though. And I'm drinking it black, which I usually have to have cream and sugar. This is one of those kind of coffees that I can drink black. Well, good coffee you should be able to drink And that's black. totally I can drink bad coffee black, but that's just because I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do, like, gas station coffee black. No, yeah. I got I to gotta baby that up. No, you know, years, so. years on the road, man. Like, oh, it, sure. not being able to find things. Because the way I used to do it is I used to do it bonus cup style, which was I would take – I would bring with me a jar of uh, – like a, like a, a Nescafe or a Sanka or something, you know, like instant. <laughs> Sanka. So I would I would bring with me a jar of instant coffee and and a whole thing of sugar. Okay. And I would just take I would take like six scoops of instant coffee and like five sugars, uh-huh. and I would mix it up, and I would just drink the sludge, <laughs> and it was like it was like smoking meth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so and then that you know sugar got hard to find instant coffee got hard to find you know coffee was bad everywhere you went so yeah, yeah. math was easier and <laughs> yeah no well i mean but but then honestly it that's what that's kind of what black coffee turned into for me like it was like you know yeah it's it's just easier it's it's an instant it's a quick neutralizer yeah you know um but it, i developed a palate for really good coffee. You do. You have a very that. significant or uh, uh dig what's the word I'm looking for? Not dignified, uh uh refined. Refined. That yeah. sounded nothing like what I was saying. <laughs> so it's not dignified. It had words. Because um, I will drink a seven eleven coffee black, you mm. know, and sometimes find something good about it. You know? I'm not totally snobby about it. No, but you can be and you could be a savage then. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just strap some banana leaves to my feet and <laughs> Run around. <laughs> Run around. So that right there transitions into another question about death. I don't know how. Um, I want to bring it back to the whole death thing because yeah. if, if, if there's one thing that I've learned about what happens after this is, to me, the worst end result, aside from you know having a, a torturous life or things like that, but when it comes to in your own life – when you are facing a really disturbing challenge, you know, should I take this job? Should I move to this place? Should I, you know, something like that, something where you're not going to like go and fight in a war or, um, you know, be tortured or something like that. The worst thing or, you know, or be mentally abused or physically abused or whatever. The worst thing that can happen is death, you know? And so I sit there and I say, that is almost a comforting thing. If you can make peace with the idea that we're all going to die and it's going to happen it kind of, to me, death could be a coffee in that sense. Yeah. To set and, and, and there's a point to this. A coffee in the sense that it could settle your nerves a little bit by going, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Yeah, I got to go to work today, but what's the worst that can happen today? I die. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, can, I can live with that, you know, pun intended. Um, but it's, well, uh, I've had that thought. 
Well, yeah, <laughs> yours is for different reasons. <laughs> um, speaking of which, if uh, if you're not familiar to the uh, Randomify podcast uh, network, you should check out Chris. That's who Chris is. I mean, we jumped right into it. I mean, we jumped not even in the deep end. We jumped in the ocean by asking him straight off the bat, what is death to him? And uh, my guest, actually, you know, now that we're only 27 minutes in, uh, is uh, Chris Howard. And he is my... Uh, uh, best friend, and we have been, um, you know, collaborating on a whole bunch of stuff through the years, and we built ourselves a studio here, and this is my maiden voyage on the Let's Laugh About Death podcast, and uh, Chris has a podcast called Coffee Over Suicide, and it's about taking, uh, you know, life one day at a time, uh, you know, you could either, Chris? It, you could, you have a choice every morning. You can kill yourself, or you can have a cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, and it's... And so, for now, uh, I'm choosing coffee. Exactly. Pirate coffee from 7-Eleven. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, I'm not saying there's no river. It doesn't have a bend in it. But, you know, <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Exactly. But for now, coffee seems like the, the right way to go, especially when there's delicious coffee like this. This is very good coffee. So, um, But uh, the point I'm getting at, though, is that that kind of has made me relax. When yeah. I sit there and think about how... The worst that happened. All of this is trivial. Yeah. When it all comes down to it, kind of going back to the whole materialism, the money doesn't, you know, can't take it with you, et cetera, et cetera. This is all trivial on the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And, you know, whatever happens after we're gone, me getting in an argument with somebody on the highway doesn't matter. Yeah. Me not getting that promotion at work doesn't matter. Me losing my job doesn't matter because, in, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things you've said to me where it's like, well, I can't do blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, no, you can. Yeah. What are the outcomes going to be? Yeah. You know, so when you can look at things in those perspectives of, well, I can't lose my job. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah. How are you going to handle it? Yeah. You know, the worst thing that happens is you die. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So then live with it and deal with it and fail and continue and learn and grow. Everything has a solution. Totally. And there is enough great stuff worth stick, sticking around for. Absolutely. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at with things. It's, I mean, that's not to say that you're not going to have some hard days or you're not going to make some decisions that you're not happy with. Um, you know, sometimes you're only, you're only going to be able to make decisions that are as good as your ability to, to handle them. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when it comes down to should I keep my job or not, the job makes me miserable, but yeah. should I keep it? And you say, yeah, I should, mm-hmm. you know, reluctantly mm-hmm. and you're resigned. And it's like, I should, because I thought about it. And at least for now, these are the outcomes that I'm able to predict off of that. Yeah. And until I can predict something that seems worth this risk, I, I'm going to stick with this part of it and I'm going to focus my energies elsewhere. Yeah. But it is important. It is vastly important. Not to wallow in those choices once you've made them. Totally. Because you can get yourself in a negative feedback loop where you're just constantly reinforcing yourself to remember how sad you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, and it's, you know, and I've always heard for years of be happy in the moment, and I never understood that. Yeah. And to me, I know. Not caring. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've told me. Sorry. I, I know I heard it. Got it. Uh, but uh, but my wife will even tell me the same thing. And my it never, wife. Yeah. I'll never – uh, but I'd never understood it for the longest time. And I still am not saying I'm 100% on it. Yeah. But I get the concept more of – I'm not saying settling. Yeah. But it's kind of a settling in the sense of, you know, accept what you've got. Well, try and shoot for more. You know, there's a there, there's a – there's a there's a difference of feeling between mm-hmm. when you say I settled for that 
Yes. And when you say, I've made peace with that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a totally different thing. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what I'm talking about is finding peace. Yeah. No. And, and, and coming to terms with things. Because sometimes uh, you have to have a difficult conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, something that seems like it should be as simple as, uh, well, of course I'm going to keep this job. Yeah. Well, uh, think it through. Really think it through and come to the uncomfortable reality of the situation where you you actually walk the steps instead of just going to the answer. Yeah. And if you walk the steps through, you start to realize, no, I am choosing this. Yeah. It's, it's not a thing that's happening to me. I do have choices here. Yeah. And I think that that actually can make you feel better if you allow it to. And it can give you some freedom because it, it, totally if, the freedom. if yes. you're choosing, like I'm choosing to stay at my job. Mm -hmm. Now I could choose to be better at it, <laughs> but I'm not doing that. <laughs> but you, but they, you made peace with that. Yes. Yeah. And I've made peace with the idea that if they fire me, I can go on unemployment and I can, you know, do something else. I've, yeah. I've amassed a number of skills. I could get another job like this in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, I'm willing to do enough to do a good job, not willing to do enough to try to get a promotion, do a great job. My my life is more important to me than that. You got it. It's just not where my values are right now. And I'm not saying that there won't come a day when, uh, you know, a career is going to slap me in the face and I'm mm -hmm. going to decide, you know what? Uh, now, when I was a child, I, I had childish things, but now I'm a man. <laughs> uh, you know, that may happen at, at some At 50, point. I've decided to grow up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's not likely. You got some years. I just made a Borat joke because I couldn't handle the silence. It was, it, you know, like, I yeah. mean, that's, I, I'm still kind of that person too. Oh, I'm a 12-year-old so, still, dude. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm constantly wrestling with, uh, you know, wisdom and stupidity mm -hmm. because I love both of those things equally. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know what? There is some wisdom in stupidity. Yeah. The stupidity of saying, what can happen? What's yeah. the worst that can happen? Well, and I think that the other thing too about being able to laugh at something so ridiculous yes. is is the same mechanism in you that allows you to embrace bigger ideas because you have to walk into a situation with your arms open instead of crossed mm -hmm. in order to get anything out of it. Well, and that's why I want to approach the concept of death with such a lightheartedness. Yeah. Is because if you can laugh at this, at my brother's funeral, it was incredible. He had like 250 people there. Oh, yeah. And they were all, it was, it was like I was at a rock star's funeral. And I never knew this. See, yeah. we knew a different side to my brother, Pat. So to fill everybody in, last year I had a lot of death happen. I had my other best friend um, who was my Spock, whereas Chris is like my McCoy. Uh, of course, I'm Kirk in my own life. I'm the star of my own show. Everybody is. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm Bones in my life, too. You're <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so James, my buddy James, died in April. Suddenly, just, I mean, literally it was a point of where I was talking to him, and the next day he was just dead. I got a phone call from his cousin. Um, and then in July, a mutual friend of ours who Chris also has met, um, in fact, he was the professor in the zombie movie that Chris and I met making, um, he died in July, and then my brother died in August. So it was a whole bunch of death all at one time. But anyway, at my brother's funeral, there were so many people there, and we were laughing. We were laughing at Kevin's funeral. We were getting drunk. We were, you yeah. know, James's funeral, there was some humor, but James was more the logical type. You yeah. Know, so, um, but, uh, 
that's what I think funerals are for. Yeah. I don't think if, – if when I'm dead, I want people to do, you know, ridiculousness. I want dancing dogs, whatever. I don't care. You know, I just want – I want it to be fun yeah. because I want it to be one last party that I just happen to not be at. Yeah. Let's celebrate the life of this person versus let's mourn the passing. Totally. Totally. Because the passing can't be helped. No. We all pass. The passing happens. That's – that's you know, there's no, there's yeah. no fixing that. So l- l- let me ask you this if I can ask you a question mm-hmm. um, because – I, I I find this whole thing fascinating. Do you how do you think uh losing your father at a young age had an effect on your personality as as, as a human being? I do know well let me let me backtrack a little bit. My father was a different type of cat. Um he was see my mom and my dad came from two very different worlds. My yeah. mom was raised by a guy who was a fact, not even a factory worker. He was a found, uh, 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 what's the, uh, I guess the boss at a sugar factory. Foreman. Foreman, thank you. I was thinking foundry. Uh, he was a foreman at a, uh, um, a sugar factory in uh, Michigan. And so the very working class. Yeah. My dad was one of these types who was born in Long Island and had nannies. Yeah. Okay. So there was not a lot of, um, not a lot of interpersonal, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever even heard my dad say, I love you. Yeah. You know? And when, uh, and not that I didn't think he did, but when, by the time I came around, my dad was already, he had already had like heart attacks and was already sick. So for a large part so he of was my old life, dad, he was an old dad. Yeah. When I was born, he was, I think he was almost 40 when I was born. Cause I will say this. Speaking of unplanned and random, I was. There yeah. were seven of us in the family. I'm number seven. There's a seven-year gap between me and the one, the brother that just died recently. And so between me and the oldest is 14 years. Now, I know of people who have much larger gaps, but the kids are usually spread out more. Yeah. My mom, pretty much for the way I understand it, from what I had heard, she kind of had like a little bit of a nervous breakdown having six kids before, you know, like 28 or whatever. Yeah. And – um. And so they put her on birth control, and then what ended up happening was uh, uh, they said, okay, well, you know what? She was having some medical issues or whatever, and, uh, you know, it's it's almost it's almost myth by this point to me. Uh, but they took her off birth control, and she's like, I'm going to get pregnant. Yeah. And sure enough, she did. And they went in, like, apparently they went in to do a hysterectomy, and they found me. And, yeah, so yeah. there's I have a lot of close calls. That's another – honestly, that's another thing that makes me want to do this podcast. I want to touch on some of those. You know, I've had a lot of close calls in my life. Um, I had spinal meningitis when I was a kid. But speaking of which, when I was little – and I'm not trying to speak ill of my father. But when I was very little, like three months old, I had spinal meningitis. My dad stopped coming to visit me because he didn't want to get attached. Yeah. Because I was literally not supposed to walk, not supposed to talk. Or have any kind of consciousness. I was basically supposed to be an institutionalized kid yeah. in, a, in a hospital. And, um, you know, and, and uh, I obviously, you know, I, I made it past that. Um, you know, it, I think it has caused some issues. I started developing seizures a few years ago. And my uh, neurologist thinks it could have something to do with that. Um, but, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that I wasn't close with my dad, but... I wasn't one of those ones that would go out and, hey, dad, let's go throw a ball around. He wasn't that guy. You know, he was literally a nuclear physicist when he died and he worked in NASA in uh, in the 60s. So he was a rocket scientist turned nuclear physicist. You know, he debated against Ralph Nader and things like that. You know, he was one of those kind of guys. So he's very logical. And I'm wondering if maybe that's 
maybe my whole crazy, goofy, you know, burp fart joke kind of stuff is a is a direct my rebellion to right. that, you know, because yeah. a lot of my brothers were that way too. My dad was appalled by that kind of stuff. He was, he would still, he would still, you know, you get a few drinks and he would, he would lighten up a little bit and sing old Danny boy kind of stuff or whatever, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but, uh, uh, so when he died, I remember my friend, uh, Brianna, one of my friends growing up, she felt so bad for me and she was almost pissed because two days after my dad died, I'm outside riding my bike laughing. Yeah. And it wasn't so much that it didn't affect me, but he was just an old man. He was only 50. Yeah. But to, in my mind, he was an old man. Yeah. You know? So it was kind of like every six months, there would be an ambulance there. Well, you know, but I mean, like, like 10, 12 years old? I was old? 11 years old. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was just turned 11. Yeah. So, I mean, 50 is old. Yeah, 50 is know? an old man. Yeah, exactly. Now that I'm pushing 50, I sit there and go, hmm. But you know what, though? He wasn't an 80-year-old man. But yeah. in my mind, he might as well have been. Because he was... He sat in a chair. What I picture of memories of my dad, I have one memory that was just me and my dad, and we watched The Wrath of Khan. And what was crazy was I remember he used to love eating uh, wheat thins with Grey Poupon mustard on it, and we would eat that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so he and I watched Wrath of Khan, and I remember when they were shipping Spock out into space, he actually had a tear in his eye. That was huh. the one and only time I ever saw him cry. That was my dad. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't because he was one of these macho types that men don't cry. It was more like it it was illogical to cry. Yeah. You know, so he was very much a Spock in that regard, at least in my memory. Right. Now I know I've heard of crazy stories. I've heard of, you know, things where he could be kind of a jerk. Um, I've heard of stories, you know, from office buddies who were like, oh God, your dad was a riot. You know, that kind of stuff. Sure. But at home, he had a certain persona he had. Because nobody's just one person. Of course not, you know. Um, And so, yeah, everybody, you're different with the different friends you hang out with, you know, your interests and all that. Um, So it's a case of when he died, I think it impacted me from the standpoint of I was predominantly raised at that point not, but here's, here's the other thing is it wasn't like I was raised by my father. Yeah. We didn't go out and play ball. Right. We didn't do things of that nature, but I was raised predominantly at that point by women. Yeah. I had my mom and my two sisters, my brothers, one of them was out of the house. The other one was getting married. Um, so he was out of the house. The one was in the military and the other one had, was getting ready to go to the military. Yeah. So it was my mom and my two sisters. And so Dad went to work. No, dad was gone at this point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. After okay. he died when I was 11. So, <clears throat> but even then, yeah, he would, he would go to work, but he, he did end up getting dis- disabled, but he didn't get disability. So if there's one thing I've learned with my dad's passing is it really kind of jaded me towards big corporations. Yeah. And honestly, a little bit towards the system in general, which all comes back full circle. And I'll explain this in a second. All comes back full circle and why. What's the worst that can happen? What is the absolute, you know, uh, 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 outcome that can happen? Well, it's dying. Okay, well, and, you know, so yeah. when my dad died, he worked for this company and they didn't count the um, the number of years that he worked in terms of overtime. He had 10 weeks left. To collect a pension. He had given his buddy, who was a friend of his, the opportunity to take this position as his boss. They were both up for promotion. He's like, you know what? You could use the money. I'm doing okay. You take the, you take the position. My dad died 10 weeks before his pension, and that guy didn't push for him to get his pension. 
Yeah. My mom lost, because as a survivor's, you know, widow's pension, sure. lost that. Then, since he was disabled, because my dad, to give you a little background, had like literally 12 heart attacks, brain surgery, open heart surgery. Um, they think it was finally a stroke that killed him. Um, and here's another interesting point about that. I'll get to that in a second. But so when he died, he had, uh, um, you know, wasn't, didn't get disability. And they had a lawyer who kept fighting for disability and fighting for disability. Because, you know, they kept saying his job wasn't, wasn't hard. It was like, this guy was under so much stress. That's why he kept having heart attacks, you know? Yeah. Nuclear power, Three Mile Island, those things ring a bell, you know? So he, uh, uh, they fought and fought and fought for disability. And I know people who get disability for carpal tunnel nowadays. Yeah. And so back then they were a lot more strict. So he died. And the lawyer calls my mom, goes, Mary, I got great news. Kevin can, he qualifies for disability. She's like, that's great. We just buried him. You know? So it's like, yeah. I bet that kind of stuff jaded me to the whole system and to, you know, to, to, to corporations and that. But an interesting thing that happened with my dad, bringing it back to death when he died or when he, when he checked out, essentially, he lived for about three or four days in a coma and my sister was there and she told me, um, that this happened. And my mom was there. My brother flew in who was in the army. He flew in, you know, everybody, we stood around the end of the bed and all that kind of stuff. And I was little and I got what was going on, but I was kind of like, you know, I remember staying at a, at a friend's house, a friend of the family's house. And they were like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. So in my mind, I still kind of figured, oh, this is just dad back in the hospital. This is what happens. And, uh, so I went to visit and he was in a coma and I was thinking, well, he's, I, I knew he was in a coma, but it's like, yeah, he'll wake up. He always does this. It's like, you know, this is, this is just number 13, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I left. And my sister told me that my mom was there for about three days and finally, you know, off and on. She didn't stay there the whole time. Right. But she went to visit him and she was finally like, you know what, Kevin, you fought long enough. We're going to be fine. Two breaths later, he was dead. Hmm. And it's kind of like, damn. So maybe makes me think, do we have a little bit of control over our consciousness? And if we have a little bit of control over our consciousness, does that give us a little bit of power so to speak over our existence and if we have power over our existence to some degree does that give us the ability to be a little more than just this meat package that's walking around right you know and that's one more thing so i've been fascinated with death since i've been little even before that my dad used to listen to this guy named tom lear who was a uh, comedian who played you know he did songs about nuclear war and i would be frightened of it but i would laugh at it too you know I mean, this was during the Cold War era, and at any moment, the Russians were going to bomb us. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I grew up with that, and him being a nuclear, you know, nuclear physicist and hearing about Three Mile Island and nuclear meltdown and blah, 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 blah. So that, in that regard, yeah, my dad's existence did, <laughs> did uh, uh, manipulate my existence to some degree, you know? Yeah. So anyway, just, to, you know, as a little short story there. <laughs> so you asked me a question, but holy shit, that was yeah, a long answer. That was a very long answer. Uh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I kind of checked out after you said my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. I was just on autopilot <laughs> at that point. But uh, no, no, no. But that's. I, I mean, I, I think that that's. I mean, there are so many bits and pieces that you can tie back to that. Absolutely. You know? And and in in a large respect, um, his death is probably why we're here today. Yeah. You know, because I had all my grandparents die on me. And, but I didn't know them. Right. You know, yeah. he was the first person that was kind of like, oh. And then that whole, you know, 
we're going to be, be fine, Kevin. And then he checks out, you know, two, two breaths later, not two hours later. Yeah. You know, that right there is almost kind of like, a, okay, I'm, I'm holding onto this ledge. Oh, I can let go. Bye. Yeah. You know, and it really makes me wonder if, you know, we have just different ways of checking out, you know, some people it's suicide. Some people it's, I'm going to just give up on this fight. Some people it's Mike. How many times do you hear about an old couple where, she is 85 and he is 86 and he dies and two months later she's gone. Yeah. You know? So it's it's almost like the body has this lease on it. Yeah. That we can say, you know what, I'm done with this lease. I'm out. You know, I and I do think that there could be, you know, sort of a thing like like as you age, you start to gain more access, more insight, things like that. Your body starts to betray you a little bit. You of know? course. But I wonder if – I wonder if – you know, think of it like this. Um, there's a – your lifespan is a, a very tall ladder. Mm-hmm. And you're slowly climbing this ladder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as you get nearer the top of it, uh, there's there's a rope. Yeah. That you can pull mm-hmm. or at least you can see. Mm-hmm. And that rope – is, you know, the helicopter out of here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Something mm-hmm. something along those lines. It's like, you know, some people see the rope and they go, okay, so I know I'm getting near the end. Yeah. I'm going to keep climbing. And yeah. so they're climbing. Meanwhile, the rope is next to them. Nah. You know, the whole time. <laughs> I love and this analogy. And they're just like, okay, this I can see it. I can feel my mortality. Yeah. I can feel feel that there's only a few more rungs left on this ladder. Yeah. You know, I can actually look up at the top of this ladder and I, I can see that one of them has disintegrated yeah. up near the top. Up and time, so, yeah. you know what? It's closer than I thought it was. Okay. I wonder if your body can sense that and if you can, you know, begin to make peace with things or if you're a person who's like, all right, so once I get to the top... I wonder if they'll let me climb back down the other side. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you just uh, comfortably climb into hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet grandma's looking up at us and <laughs> screaming in agony. <laughs> Let's go visit. Oh, I can't leave? Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take that bet. Yeah. No, but I love the analogy. That's a great analogy where it's like you can opt out with using the rope. Yeah. But, but, you, you, but you don't see it. You can't sense it. You can't feel it. You don't know it's there until you get so high up. Yeah, yeah. It's at the 10th rung or something. Yeah. Yeah. And and it takes a long time to get up there. Or, you know, maybe you shorten your own ladder and it brings it closer. And it brings it closer, yeah. Well, I mean, like my brother, he, he knew he was going. Yeah. And in some regards, there would be people who would sit there and say, well, why did he keep smoking? Because he knew he was fucked. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? This this brings me I'm pleasure. I'm going to go out my own way. I'm going to go out my own way. And as a like a boss, he went on a vacation. He went on a like a, a, a cruise type vacation in Florida. Yeah. Two weeks before he was dead. Made some fantastic memories for his kids. Yeah. You know, for the two that, that were with him there. Um, he has another daughter that lives in Michigan. This was back in Illinois and they had gone to Florida. Yeah. But she was, she's up, you know, she's older and she's living on her own kind of thing. Um, and, uh, but his, his one daughter, you know, here's the thing coming back to the whole, how old was I when my dad died and how old was, you know, his daughter, he's got a son that I think is 20, maybe he's in the military doing very well for himself now. And a daughter who's 17, she was 16, I believe when he died. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, usually 16 comes before 17. That makes sense. Um, and he, uh, uh, it hit her hard. And I think my sister, Beth, she was 19 when my dad died. And my brother was 17 when my dad died or 18. I think when you're on the cusp of being a person, you know, not saying kids aren't people, but you know, kids aren't full of people. Right. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, you haven't had a lot of attachment to the earth, let alone the people on it. Exactly. And I think when you are on the cusp of being an adult and you lose a parent, I think it's a lot harder. You know, yeah. plus she was the epitome of daddy's little girl. Attachment. 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 Big I, I mean, that's, that's precisely why, uh, you know, when, uh, like when my grandfather died, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I almost hesitate to say it, but I hated that guy. Yeah, no, I, we've got you know? a couple. Yeah. I mean, I, I hated him. I, I loved him when I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I hated that man mm-hmm. as an adult. And yet, when he died, and I went to the funeral, mm-hmm. I was so torn. Well, it's a part of your life died with him. Yes. And I think that's what a lot of funerals, they say funerals are for the living, living, and I think part of it is because part of your life dies with that person. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. you like it or not, it's still a familiarity, it's still something you're used to, and it's still something that is a part of you. Yeah. You know, it, it brings it brings into sharp focus the lack of permanence. Absolutely. And that right there is, again, the reason why I sit there and go, well, what's the worst that can happen? You die. So live life. You know, yeah. I'm not going to do the whole YOLO crap, you know, but really, honestly, you know, you do only do live it. once. Who cares? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and there's some truth to that. And it's, you know, I, I, I saw a T-shirt on a guy the other day that I believe with with some of it. And there was one line in it that made me go, you dick. You you had such an opportunity to say something cool here, and it said, "Be, be what, what what was it? It was like be funny, be rude, live life." Yeah. Like, why do you have to be rude to live life? You know what about be funny? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, be friendly. How's an idea? Maybe yeah, yeah. opposite of rude, but it's like. I mean, the the root of what he was saying on his shirt was, you know, as if he made that shirt, you know. I know, but it's, I love that you were like, man, he had such an opportunity. (laughs) What? Well, I read it. I was on the bus and I'm reading this fucking thing and I'm sitting there going, and my first impression was like, oh, here's a guy who's going to say something nice as if be rude. Fuck you. You know? (laughs) Now he's being rude. (laughs) Now, yeah, totally. You You know know what? Huh? You are following the advice of the shirt. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I'm not being rude right now. What do you mean I'm being fucking rude? <laughs> no, but uh, but it's just, you know, if there's anything, you know, if there's one thing I could say with Rodney King, man, he had it right. He had it right. Why can't we all just be get along, you know? Yeah. And it's so true. And that right there, I think it comes back to the materialism. Because let's be honest. Man, I mean, it, it, it's a question. It's, it's a question. Yeah. It, it's, and it's a question worth asking. But the thing is, it's... I think that people hear questions and try to jump to outcomes. Yeah. You know, based on what they already know, instead of hearing the question and dissecting it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, why can't we all just get along? Well, here's why. Well, no, 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 no. Really? No, it's it's almost a rhetorical question. Let's let's ponder this question. But it's also rhetorical in the sense of why can't we? Just simply why? But yeah, but you're right. Let's ponder it. Let's see if we can figure it out. Yeah. You know? I mean, figure it out on an individual level and then uh, do the best you can to live within the bounds of the the uh, the criteria that you set for yourself. Totally. And that's really the best you can ask for anybody. And then when you're gone, mm-hmm. you know, and you're the person uh, 
in the ground while people are up above with the dancing dogs at the party. <laughs> uh, see, I brought it all the way back around. It's, it's, it's a callback. It's, uh, you know, people can remember, yeah, I learned a lot from that person on, yes. on how to live. Yeah. Because if anything, death should teach you what you should be doing differently while you're alive. Yeah. Whether you know what happens afterward mm-hmm. or not, you, this is what this is what we get in this meat vessel. Yeah. Uh, the scariest thing in the world to me is that we get more after. After. Oh, yeah. I, I heard an interview with Dana Carvey, and he said something that really was profound to me. And it was like, he was like, he said something about what, you know, it, the question was like, what do you think happens after you die? And yeah. he was, and he said nothing, which I don't agree with, but he did bring up an interesting point of, he was like, before I was born, I think he said nothing. Regardless, the, po- the, the, the point that sticks out in my head is he says, I was not here a lot longer than I've been here. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay. I, I, he's got a yeah, valid yeah. point. And he but says, he says, I'll probably go back to doing that. To doing that. Yeah. 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 What so was I doing during the French Revolution? Yes. Uh, and I imagine I'll be doing the same thing. And he's right. But in the same sense, you could take it from the standpoint of reincarnation. Yeah. You were there. You know? And I want to touch on this in an episode is I personally think that, that there is existence. And I won't get into it here because, A, we don't have enough time. But, B... I can, I, this might be a solo episode when I talk about this because it's either going to fascinate people or bore the crap out of them. But basically, <laughs> st- speaking from a quantum level, speaking from there's a, there's a there's a thing called uh, a superposition, where there are possible outcomes of every every neutron that ever exists. Photosynthesis works that way, and when something happens and all the other all the other possibilities disappear. So the fact that they're superposition, the fact and, – and it's been studied. And, you know, and there yeah. are particles that when they're watched, when they're observed is when they do stuff. You know, there's so much stuff we don't really know. And I think in terms of, you know, multiple uh, uh, dimensions, you know, for all we know, it, you know, it, we are a three-dimensional – why am I <laughs> – we are three-dimensional beings living in a four-dimensional timeline. So essentially we are four-dimensional beings really. Everybody thinks of us as three-dimensional or four-dimensional. We'll get into this later. But I think when you die, you are at all times. You are at all dimensions, all possibilities. So was he around? Yes. We just can't grasp it in that concept. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because, we, because we've constructed time as a linear. Totally. As a linear thing because it's the only way that we're capable of perceiving it right now. Absolutely. When in fact, it could very well be a cycle. Yeah, yeah. And we have access to any part of the cycle at any given time. I mean, memories are sort of evidence of that in a way. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But, you know, who knows? Exactly. Somebody. So, nobody. Somebody knows or nobody knows. And the the big, when my mother-in-law died, I said, she's got all the answers. The moment yeah. I saw her take her last breath, there was a little part of me that was envious. Yeah. Not because I was, you know, wanting to die. You know what, though? But you've just convinced me. I mean, let's let's just switch my title and my show around. I think I'm going to check out early. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's roll them dice. <laughs> just call it, let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, Chris, this was, uh, this was great. I'm glad that you were able to... Uh, uh, you know, join me in this here. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, with our, with, with my first, uh, try in the studio and, uh, you know, just so you, uh, you guys out there listening, Chris and I built this studio on a whim on one of Chris's, uh, 
uh, manias, uh, <laughs> we decided to build a studio at his garage, and neither one of us had any idea what we we're doing. Yeah, and uh, and it's actually a room. Yeah. You know, it's got a red door. I decided to use my powers for awesome. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. Which is, you know, usually what I do with my mania. So this this one worked out. Yes, yes. So uh, I'm going to give Chris a handshake here. You can't see it, but we're doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Good talking with you, man. So that was the first episode. It was actually a pretty good conversation. I had a lot of fun doing this with Chris. Uh, It felt like old times. It was nice to get back doing something of this nature and if you want to hear any more episodes from chris uh with the coffee over suicide podcast you can get episodes of that anywhere podcasts are found be sure to subscribe to that and you can also find him on his website coffeeoversuicide.com and my website is let's laugh about death.com and i will have future episodes coming out every monday and uh, i look forward to seeing what you have to say about those and we'll talk later have yourself a good day have yourself a good life Talk to you soon.